This is the Funville Nine, driven by AAA, the official podcast of the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Here's your host, Trey Wilson. Hello and welcome to this non-baseball season edition of the Funville Nine podcast. Not the off-season. There's not an off-season around here. The Flying Squirrels stay busy all the way around the calendar, 12 months out of the year, with all kinds of events. And one of those events recently was the Flying Squirrels annual hot stove, which is a big fundraising event uh, to help the initiatives initiatives of Flying Squirrels charities. And uh, this year we had some great special guests, uh, former Major League All-Star Sean Casey was there. Uh, Billy Wagner was the recipient of the Paul Keyes RBI Award. Uh, Former Flying Squirrels pitcher Sean Jelly was part of the event. And recent Flying Squirrels catcher Brandon Martorano. And today we've got uh, parts of the conversation that Martorano had during the the show that night, during the main program, with our friend uh, Mark Cheatham, a.k.a. Cheats, a friend of the Flying Squirrels. They had a fun chat up on stage. Um... I really enjoyed getting to watch it from from off on the side of the stage before I went out and talked to Sean Jelly. And uh, one of the things that they talked about was was nicknames, and it it actually reminded me of a, of a little bit of a story with Brandon Martorano when he first got to town uh, back in 2021 in the middle of the summer of that season. And one of the first things that we'll do when these guys get here is is go up and and uh, introduce ourselves, of course, but also. If they have a name that we're not 100% sure about how to pronounce it, and you know, ask them, hey, how do you say your name? And um, I remember Martorano got here. There's a lot of scrambling going on. And, uh, you know, middle of the season, guys are getting, you know, picked up and moved across the country. And I, I finally got a chance to, to catch him, like, basically right as he was heading out to warm up for that game. And he's in the starting lineup, so I want to make sure that we've got it right for – for Blaine and myself on the broadcast, and I want to make sure we have it right for the other team's broadcaster, and I want to make sure that we have it right for the public address announcer in the stadium, so that this, the names being said right as they come up to bat and everything like that. Um, and of course, Martorano being a catcher, he's one of the first guys getting out there. Usually, often the first guy, the catcher, starting that night's could be probably the first person getting out to the outfield to start their warmups. So. Uh, he's making his double A debut. He's out there stretching. I'm out or about to start stretching. And I grab him and I say, Hey, how do you I say hello and welcome to town and all those things? And I say, Hey, how do you pronounce your name? Is it Martorano or is it Martorano? And uh and he said, Oh, either one of those will work. Uh and I've I've learned this lesson over the years. Just just ask them how they say their name and listen for them to say it. Don't give them options <laughs> because um, he said either one. So, uh, I tried to listen for it and it sounded like he kind of said Martorano. So that's how we said his name for the first little while that he was here. But as time went on, I'd hear him say his name more. Or he'd say it for something that we had being taped or something like that. And, uh, turns out he says it closer to Martorano and, uh, that one syllable difference, it might not seem like much, but it does make a difference. You know, the way we look at it, that is your name. We want to make sure that it's being said, uh, in a way that uh, that you say it. If you listen to the episode earlier this this past year with Kai Wei Tang, that was one of the things that we talked about with him being uh, from Taiwan. A lot of times players from overseas will try to make their names a little easier for everybody to say, but we want to make sure that we're saying their names as their names. So uh, it's, it's funny that they opened this conversation up uh, at the hot stove talking about nicknames because uh, is a guy who's had a couple of different nicknames since he's been here. And I'll, I'll let Cheats and Martorano tell you that story, uh, when the, 
when the conversation gets going. But it was a really fun chat. I really enjoyed listening to that. Uh, we'll have some more content coming up over the next few weeks from that event as well as a few other things. So uh, make sure that you that you stay checking in to see when some new episodes come available. But uh, for now, here is our friend Mark Cheatham, a.k.a. Cheats, with Flying Squirrels catcher and sometimes outfielder. They're going to talk about that as well. Brandon Monterey. I'm so, so excited to have a quick conversation with Brandon. And I know the voice of the squirrels, Trey, Trey Wilson, told me that no self-respecting baseball player goes by their government name. So I was told you have quite a few nicknames. So I want to make sure I do this properly. What are some of your nicknames that you've had growing up, and what do they call you here in Richmond? Well, over the years, obviously, my last name's a little bit difficult to pronounce. I don't know if it's still up there. It's very Italian. People have a hard time with that. Um, but at a young age, they started calling me B-Mart, B-Mart, B-Mart. So that stuck, and I got used to it. And then when I got drafted by the Giants, everyone decided that that wasn't good enough. So they said that you're going to be Marty now, which I absolutely hate, but don't tell anybody. Uh, but that's all right. So now I go by Marty. I go by B-Mart. doesn't matter. As long as uh, I know you're talking to me, I can respond correctly. So that's all I, all I need to know. But B-Mart, Marty, you know, there's a bunch of names, but no one ever calls me Brandon, that's for sure. So everyone forgets my real name. Well, look, we're going to go, based off, based off of that, we're going to go with B-Mart over Marty for this, for this portion. Uh, B-Mart, you have, for the last three seasons, you have played over 200 games for the Flying Squirrels. That's amazing. Like 200, give it up for him. 200 games for the Flying Squirrels. One of the absolute fan favorites here in Richmond. What has your experience been like playing in front of the Richmond crowd, playing at the Diamond? What has your experience been being a Flying Squirrel? Well, you know, when you get drafted in, you know, baseball, the expectation is that you're going to be in the minor leagues for a little bit. And a lot of you tonight when we're signing autographs are saying, you know, oh, we hope you move up or we hope you come back. And as a player, you, you never really want to be, I guess, your goal is to be in the major leagues, right? Your goal is to get to the major leagues, to get drafted. That's your goal. Um, I, I've spent the last three years here, so some people might say, you know, that's good or that's bad. But to me, I think, I think it's a blessing. Um, you know, I got here in my first season quickly, quicker than I, much quicker than I expected. Um, so, you know, you're a 23-year-old kid and, you know, you think you're on the up and up and, Next thing you know, things happen, injuries happen, and you spend another year here, and you spend another year here, and the constant through it all, the highs and lows of baseball has been, you know, you guys, the fans of Richmond, the people that come out every day and support us. I mean, we've been leading attendance in AA and top 10 in minor leagues since I've been here. Um, you know, all I know in my professional baseball career is Richmond. That's all I know. I don't know anything else. It's where I spend my entire professional career. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm from New Jersey, so I'm not too far away from here. I went to school in North Carolina, so I kind of have some roots around the area. Um, but to, to play here, to play for you guys and you fans, and to play for Parney and the rest of the staff here that are so great, you know, it's been a true blessing and an honor. And, you know, to be here is, is, is amazing. And, and I, I, we say it all the time and how winning is important in the minor leagues. People like to discount that. People say that winning's not important. Winning's not important. But to me, you know, you guys show up every day, you fans, you show up every single day, you support us in the rain, you support us in the heat. Um, so how can winning not be important? You know, winning is everything, and if you can establish a culture of winning down here in Richmond, you know, that's going to carry over to San Francisco and, and beyond. So to play here has been, you know, the, truest, the biggest blessing of my baseball career, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. So 
If I have to run it back again one more time, <laughs> I, won't, I won't be too upset about it. So hopefully uh, we'll keep winning and keep putting on a good product for you guys. Well, you're exactly right in regards to the level of success you've had here. We've been in the playoffs the last two seasons. You've been able to be a part of those teams. Everybody knows playoff baseball is different as opposed to the regular season, the grind of the regular season. What was your playoff experiences? Like, even just being around the environment, does it feel different? Oh, it certainly does. It certainly does. You know, there's a little bit more of an energy in the ballpark. Um, the minor leagues, the, the, the playoffs are a little different. It's only two rounds, three game sets. Um, and it's funny because when you're a player, you get some guys, not, not necessarily guys on our team, but maybe other teams that are saying, oh, I'm tired. We just played 140 games. Like, <laughs> I want to go home to mom. Uh, I just think that's crazy. You know, you get to the playoffs, and, and now it's just this level of focus goes from, you know, you get in your routine of playing every single day, and now these games matter now. Your stats mean nothing. Only thing that matters now is winning. Um, so you have to shift that focus from internal, where, you know, sometimes in this game you have to worry about yourself and your own success, and it has to become external. Like, what am I really playing for? You know, do I want to be a champion, or do I want to be someone who's just in the minor leagues going through it and just trying to be here for himself, or do I want to be someone who, you know, is known as someone who can bring home wins and, and help a city, you know, that cares so deeply about this get a championship? And unfortunately, you know, we've been a little short the last two years, but, you know, we've been able to pull up to the playoffs twice, which has been good, and, and it hadn't been done for a little while until mm -hmm. 22. Um, and now it's something that's going to be expected, you know, here. And, and whether I'm here or I'm not here, whoever's here the next couple of years, you know, that's going to now be the expectation as it should be because, you know, if you're a minor league, you're a professional baseball player, you should care about winning. And Absolutely. to win here and to feel the love that, that our fans bring, bring us every single night, it, it gives you that extra bit of motivation that you need. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let me ask you this, because you've been a catcher all your life, right? Except for this year, you were able to uh, not only catch, but you were able to play some outfield. Uh, what was that conversation like? How did that come about? Because, you know, since, since your baseball career, you've been a catcher. This year, you look out there, you're in left field, you're in right field. How did, how did it come about? What made you, uh, was, it, was it your decision? What made you want to kind of explore some other options on the field? Well, you know, as a, again, as a professional, you want to be in the lineup every day. And mm -hmm. when you're a catcher, that's not really a realistic expectation. You know, mm -hmm. there's only one. You play infield, there's four spots. You play outfield, there's three spots. There's only one spot, you mm -hmm. know, behind the plate. So you have three guys on the roster. You know, you need to, you need to take a back seat sometimes. And Dennis Pelfrey, our manager, came up to me in spring training one year and said, hey, you know, I think you'd be pretty good in the outfield. You ever <laughs> played there before? I never have. You've never played there before? No. So I said, wow. of course I have. You know, I've been, <laughs> I've been playing there my entire life. What do you yeah, mean? I, you know? I got it. I, I got was, it I've, down. Yeah, I know how to do this for That's sure. That's awesome. So they stick me out there in drills, and I'm stepping on my two feet. I don't know. I've got two left feet out there. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, one day I get to the field and I see my name in the lineup, and it says, Brandon Martirano, you're, uh, you're going to play center field tonight. <laughs> nice. You're going to play center field. So I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. Don't have a glove. I go out there, and I'm taking my <laughs> – Warm-up reps with the catcher's mitt. People are laughing at me. Everyone's laughing at me, but I didn't care. Um, and I just go out there and try to do my best. You know, you're an athlete, so what's the difference between catching and playing the outfield, really? It's all the same. Just got to go run and chase the ball down uh, best you can. So was, it, was there a different level of nerves? Honestly, yeah. Yeah, honestly, there definitely was. You know, I was out there. It, when you're catching, you're so involved in the game. Every pitch you're paying attention, and, and the crowd is behind you, and sure. your focus is out there on the field, and you get into this mode, and then you play in center field, and go a couple innings without some action. So you're out there, you're saying, oh, where do my feet need to be or where do I need to go? And definitely the nervousness is coming from unfamiliar territory. That's sure. why a little bit of the nerves were there. Um, 
But hey, I did it. That's you know, awesome. I ain't going to complain about it. So go out there and do my best. Who introduced you to catching? So, again, a, a good little story is here. I was young. I was playing on a travel team in the local area in New Jersey, and the local team had a shortstop. I played shortstop when mm -hmm. I was a, before 1690, so 11, 10 years old, and tried out for this team, and I was a scrawny kid. I wasn't very good until I got to high school, honestly. Um, I doubt that, but go and, ahead. And then, <laughs> but the kids, uh, the coach's son played shortstop, so that wasn't a choice because he was going to play, as I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. And my no. Dad, there's but, no, there's no coaches that have sons that, no, right? But, you know, what the truest, biggest blessing is that my dad, you know, and this could be a lesson for us all, you sure. know, my, my dad didn't call the coach and say, hey, my son's better. My dad told me, all right, sucks for you. Like, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to play on the B team or are you going to change positions? Here's, I got some catcher's gear in the garage. <laughs> so I, I caught my first game. I'll never forget. We were playing Marlboro Little League in New Jersey. And I caught, and I never took the gear off again. I never really? played another pitch position for the rest of my life until this year. Such It's such a commanding position, right? You, I mean, like you said, you've got to be locked in on every pitch, calling the games. I know some of it has changed over time in regards to, you know, technology and how, how things are going. But what is it about – how are you able to work with the, the, the pitchers and the, and the managers making sure that you get the game that you want out of the pitcher? I think it's everything. You know, you, you guys out there that are in business, you may be in medicine or whatever it is, you know, you're dealing with people every single day, right? Your relationships are key to your success in your life. It's, it's paramount when you're a pitcher and catcher relationship. You know, that pitcher out there needs to trust you completely that the pitch that you're calling or the effort that you're putting in is, is, is for his benefit and for the team's benefit. It's a, it's a pretty selfless position, and mm -hmm. I think that's why I enjoy it so much because I, I like to try to help guys, and that sounds kind of cliche. I'm not just tooting my own. <laughs> uh, but it's true, and uh, that relationship between pitcher and catcher is everything. It's key. Anyone who's ever thrown a pitch in professional baseball, whoever's caught a pitch in professional baseball can attest to that. Uh, I think to have a proper pitcher and catcher relationships, ones that, those that are thriving is how you build winning culture and winning mm -hmm. championship teams, uh, and I take it very seriously. I try to befriend these guys, and, and look, you got guys that speak English, you guys that don't speak English, mm -hmm. you guys got Spanish-speaking guys. Some guys speak. We had a Taiwanese player here who mm -hmm. spoke Taiwanese. I don't speak Taiwanese, <laughs> and I try to learn the language. I try to do the I best say, I how can. How do you ensure that the communication works? Well, Spanish is easier to pick up because you hear it so much in, yeah. in, in conversation. But I never spoke Spanish a day in my life. I studied it in school, but once you hear it. In the heat of the moment. I took Spanish one for three years. Yeah, so you, so you can catch. You're yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, you're good. <laughs> but when you get in the heat of the moment and you got to communicate a really vital piece of information to somebody who may be scrambling, who might be not feeling confidence at the moment, and you need to give them confidence, you need to give them confidence. You don't speak the language, and it's up to you to learn the language. You know, you can't, you can't look at ex for excuses, and you got to do the best you can in that moment. So, um, that's just one of the many obstacles that there are, and, and everyone's different. All those of you, you know, we all work with people in our daily lives, in our relationships with family, with work. People are different. Everyone's different. People have different personalities sure. and emotions every day. Um, and as a catcher, you have to really be selfless enough to eliminate your own personal emotions, your own personal feelings for that day, and kind of just embrace whatever they're feeling and take that on and, and go from there. So we've got about three minutes left. I've got some fun questions for you. I know we were talking a bit earlier, and you, you told me that, you one, you're a baseball fanatic. You just love the game. And you told me that, I guess, being in Jersey, you're, you're a Jeter guy. That was, the, that was your guy growing up. Here's a question for you. If you could face any pitcher throughout history, 
living or dead, historically, any pitcher, who do you, who does B-Mart step into the plate? Who do you face and why? Oh, I'll say a lefty because they're easier to hit. Don't tell, <laughs> don't tell Billy that, though. Don't tell Billy that. Yeah, there's a couple in the back. Um, tough. I would love to face Clayton Kershaw. You know, he's got that big curveball. I'd love to see what happens Absolutely. if I got to hit that thing. Um, he's one of my all-time favorites. I used to love watching Pedro Martinez dominate the Yankees, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sneaky one, a right-hander pitcher would be Mike Messina. I would love to catch him, actually. Ooh, that that was going to really be my pitch. next question. He could really pitch. Um, sorry to steal your question. No, it's good. I like um, it. But he could really pitch. He really was a tough at-bat for a lot of people. So I think that's who I would probably pick. I don't want to face any of these big-time sinker guys or guys <laughs> like Sean throwing me 96-mile-an-hour sinkers from seven feet tall. So you could, you could keep that away from me. I'll, I'll skip that. That's awesome. No, that's, and that's a great one. A machine is an, is an amazing kind of tactician, right, on the mound or, or Greg Maddox. Do you like, uh, when you're behind the plate, when you're catching, do you prefer those types of pitchers? Or, is it, I mean, there's some, obviously, pitchers that throw gas what, what do you what do you like when you're hyped up what type I mean is it is a strategic thing like I want to really outthink a hitter or do I, I just want to see a guy blow him away ah uh, you know as long as they're throwing it to the glove that's easier to catch you know when you got to jump over your head it's difficult but I like the guy that can <laughs> the guy that can sequence a hitter properly the guy that has a, has some presence on the mound he's trying to he knows what he's good at and he knows what he's trying to do uh, those are the most fun guys to catch someone who could paint the corner with multiple pitches um, but then again, you know, there's nothing like watching a 99-mile-an-hour fastball go by somebody's bat. So it's, it's hard to say. Um, I like them both, you know, in their own way. Sure. Um, but if you can put a couple nice pitches on the corner for me to make look nice, <laughs> I definitely think I prefer that. That's awesome. You've played with some truly talented, especially in Richmond, the last couple of years. You've played with some amazingly talented players, a lot of them in San Francisco right now and in the big leagues. Was there ever a player – that you saw that you were just like, wow, just from a sheer talent perspective, off the charts? Yeah, so my answer to this question is going to be pretty biased because these are some of my closest friends. Um, but those of you who watched us play in 2022 saw Tyler Fitzgerald play. Yeah. Um, I truly think Tyler's a one-of-a-kind one type of player. Yeah, he's a great player. Great, great um, player. Give it, deserves some applause. Yeah, he, he's, he's a joy to watch play. And, and the reason why I say Tyler is not because of his physical attributes. Like, Tyler is physically gifted unbelievably. But, you know, that's someone who shows up to the field, same guy every single day, same routine every day. Emotions are the same every day. And, and I live with him. We were roommates. And I know what he was thinking in his quiet moments. Mm -hmm. um, but when he showed up to the field and, and came ready to go to work, same guy every day. And, and that's all you can ask from a professional hitter. Now, are there more talented players out there that I can name? Absolutely, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always going to be someone more talented than you. But, you know, at this level, when talent becomes, the, the gap becomes a little smaller, it's and how can you separate yourself mentally? And I think Tyler, the reason why he's in the major leagues now and he's had such a meteoric rise since he had his success here was because he's able to be the same guy every day show up to work every single day ready to do his thing, and, and now he's in the major leagues and helping the Giants win, win ballgames. This is the absolute last question, but I promised I would ask, um, if you poll some of our Squirrels fans, they would vote you, B-Mart, one of the most attractive players in Squirrels history. <laughs> is that, am I right here? What do you uh -huh. think? Look at this guy. Who would you vote as the most attractive teammate you've had? Oh, man. <laughs> hey, Shane Matheny's a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy. But, hey, this guy Parney's pretty good-looking, too. He's there got you good go. pants. He's got good style. It's not all about the looks. You've got to make them laugh. You've got you to have some good style as well. So, 
I'll give it to Parney. That's really funny. Hey, well, I will tell you this, and on behalf of Squirrels Nation, you've been where you've been just an awesome, awesome part of our community, an awesome player. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for B-Mart. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, one last thing, I wanted to thank all of you guys for your support over the years. I know some, I've had some highs, I've had some lows here, and I've always felt the love from you guys, so I wanted to say thank you to you all, and I appreciate you all being here for a good cause, and uh, keep up uh, the attention. We'll have some good, good more guests coming out here, so thank you again. Ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Thanks, guys. All right. <laughs>